Diagnostic complete. Sensors are functioning normally. Transfer of data is complete. going on all right hello everybody out there welcome back uh can you hear me yeah absolutely can you hear me? all right everybody welcome back to star trek exercise hope you guys are having a wonderful day now today we have something very special we have bill man in the building how you doing doing great always happy to talk Trek. oh absolutely i'm super super uh, stoked for this episode of star trek exercise uh our first official a guest star so obviously really yeah absolutely I, i'm honored to have you thank you for joining me today um so today i just want to go over a few things but first things first tell us a little bit about yourself you know um yeah like you said my name's bill um truck fan 4387 on twitter um i've been pretty active there for uh, a few years now talking about star trek i'm kind of constantly perpetually in a Star Trek rewatch of some kind. Uh, I like to tweet about, you know, the episode I'm watching. Uh, I, I've done like little mini episode reviews in the past. Um, I rank episodes and uh, review seasons, and I've, I've done all kinds of stuff on on Twitter. And I'm on Trek Live, which is a YouTube uh, live stream. Um, actually, now it's on Twitter and Periscope these last few months, um, but it originated as a youtube series but it's, it's like a video podcast uh, me and my friend dan talking all things star trek um been a fan all my life grew up with it uh, it's stuck with me um and i have really grown to like your show tony uh because you approach star trek from the perspective of somebody who's kind of like i, I don't know if i wouldn't i don't want to put words in your mouth but kind of new to it in the grand scheme of things like yeah absolutely so uh, like I like I've said in other episodes, and like the first few episodes that I've posted, I've only been, uh, you know, a Trek fan. I'm gonna be completely honest for about three years only. Yeah. You know, I was a huge Star Wars fan before, but then I was overtaken by it. Yeah. You know, you you had the Space Seat episode in the original series, which was the first episode that I watched, and then I went directly to the Wrath of Khan, and then after it, I was just okay. This is amazing. Um, so I completely shifted, um, you know, what I loved. Um, so I really appreciate all the support that you've given me on this show. Uh, I've put a lot into it. I'm really, really glad to have you here today. I appreciate it. Um, so there, one thing that I want to go over, I was going to do this in uh, a podcast with my last podcast, but I kind of wanted to do it when I had somebody here with me so i can get a second opinion sure um, and since you're the one that you know has been most persistent on you know wanting to do a podcast i was like listen you know, let's get this guy in here and i'm really glad 
that you hear. So the uh, the episode that we're going to be talking about is in uh, the original series, season one, episode three. It's called Where No Man Has Gone Before. Okay. Now, the reason why I'm choosing this episode in particular, okay, obviously the pilot for the original series was The Cage. You know, you had Captain Christopher Pike, you had Spock, you know, you had number one and everything uh, and like that. And then in the first episode that we saw, okay, with Captain Kirk, it was the man trap, you know, the salt vampire and everything like that. So, but if you realize, okay, I've actually done quite a bit of research on this and it makes perfect sense. Uh, where no man has gone before, okay? Mm-hmm. It was actually supposed to be the second pilot. For sure. It was actually it was actually supposed to be the first episode where Kirk was. And actually, in the UK, it was the first episode. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, and in that episode, we can see in the cage, okay, uh, they had the, the 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 uniforms that they wore. They were yellow, but with a darker, uh, you know, you know what the color, the black color yeah. that they have around them. So basically, they just had a darker yellow for that collar instead of the black one in the in the cage. And in the man trap, you know, Captain Kirk, you know, we had bones in there. Um, they're they're rocking the you know classic original series look that we all know and love with the black collar. Um, but then they go back to the third episode where No Man has gone before, and it goes back to the cage. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah. And. What were we gonna say? No, gonna no, say? no, please. So, I was just trying to get your uh, your opinion on it. One, what do you think about the man? Uh, about where no man has gone before, and uh, you know, what are your kind of thoughts and views on that? It's an interesting episode. I, I've always been a fan. I, I love the story. I love how, um, if you imagine yourself back in the 1960s, had this been the first episode. I think it would have been pretty gutsy. Uh, you know, it introduces uh, one of my favorite things in it is the relationship between Kirk and Gary Mitchell. Uh, and if, if, if this was the first episode, which it wasn't like you kind of outlined it, it was the third episode that was aired. Uh, I think it would have been a kind of gutsy uh, way to introduce people to the show, to have the, the captain, the, the star of the show introduced as, you know, having this really good friend on the ship and kind of leads you to think that this Gary Mitchell guy is going to be a central character in the show. He's kind of got the captain's ear. He's the the best friend on the ship and uh, very much integrated into the crew and to have the story sort of take a turn where he becomes like the, the thorn in the captain's side and the captain has to make this dramatic choice to, you know, maroon him on this far off planet to you know, save his crew and save his ship uh, is a, is an unexpected way to start the show. And I think, it would have been cool for that to be the pilot. And I do think when you watch it in air date order, having it be the third episode and uh, it, it kind of um, sort of reverting back to these pilot um, traits with the, 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 the cage uniforms and the crew not being quite um, what we come to know and what we've already seen for two episodes with the man trap and Charlie X, make it a really anomalous, weird, strange experience when you watch it in that order um so it's always fascinating to hear what people think of this episode that's why i'm kind of eager to talk to you about it because you know for me because of 
being a fan since I can remember and watching all these episodes going back to when I was too young to really uh, even understand like the order of the episodes and I kind of just watched them in whatever order I found them in. This was always sort of just that weird pilot episode. Um, but hearing somebody like you who kind of came into it in the, the Netflix age or the, the DVD age where you pop it in and you watch it in, in the order it's given to you, I'm, I'm eager to hear what you think of it. I, I love the story for everything I just said with the Kirk Gary Mitchell relationship. I think it's got a really cool classic Star Trek sort of you know storyline about power corrupting and it's certainly a theme that I think all of the shows sort of double back to with you know uh, what happens when people are given these omnipotent uh, you know ultra powerful traits like Riker gets the Q abilities and hide and Q like it, it's it's a it's a it's a story and a exploration that we certainly come back to in the different shows in their own ways but uh, I think I think this might be my favorite of the bunch that sort of plays with that idea. So, basic thoughts. Are you still there? Yeah, can you hear me? Hello? Hey, hey can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me? Let's see. I think we lost him. Um, I'm going to try to get him back here. Let's see. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Oh, okay, cool. Now I'm back. Some, I don't know what happened. I can hear a little buzzing on your side, but uh, I can hear you the whole time. Which... Oh, yeah, I was I was so confused. I didn't know what happened. No, I think we're good. All right, but uh, can, what were you saying? Well, I'm not sure where I got where you lost me, um, but uh, I, I I'm a huge fan of the episode as a whole. I, I I love the way that it explores the the Kirk and Gary Mitchell relationship and the way it sort of sets up uh, the Kirk and Spock relationship. Although it really evolves from this point, they're a little more adversarial and a little more. Uh, butting heads here uh, than they ultimately become. Uh, but uh, I think it does a decent job of establishing Kirk's character. And uh, th this, this is a guy who's going to have to make really difficult decisions at the top of the food chain on the Enterprise, having to strand his friend uh, or having to choose to strand his friend and ultimately kill his friend uh, in, in this situation. Uh, I think it that, that becomes a really... Uh, major trait of the original series, putting Kirk in these positions to have to make these impossible decisions, sometimes involving his closest friends with Kirk and Mc with Spock and McCoy. Uh, so yeah. from, from that standpoint, I think it does a good job of kind of telling us everything we need to know about uh, Jim Kirk uh, right from the outset. Um, although like, like we were saying, um, I, I hope I didn't get cut off too early in, in talking about this. It is an interesting anomaly to see this third and not first. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's uh, I'm sitting there, you know, uh, one of the things is, you know, most nights when I'm falling asleep, I'm watching the original series. And this is one of those episodes, you know, back in the first season where I was watching it and everything just was really, really odd yeah, in my opinion. Sure. It, you know, you had Spock wearing a yellow shirt, which... Let's let's all be honest. In my opinion, it does not match him 
at all. No, it looks very bizarre. <laughs> it looks very bizarre. And then you have Sulu wearing a blue shirt. You know, McCoy isn't even in the episode. Right. And that's how you can really tell. Like, you don't even have to do research. Yep. Like, you, you obviously know. Okay. McCoy's not in this yet. Okay. Uh, the uniforms are still different to the, you know, still the same uh, to the cage. So you can obviously tell this was supposed to be um, the second yes. uh, episode. Right. Um, but like you were saying, I absolutely agree. Aside from the weirdness and how bizarre it is, you know. The uniforms were really, were really weird. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it, it was it was a great storyline, um, and it's one of those things. It would have been an amazing first episode, and that would have been an episode where it would have really gotten you know me into it. I mean, obviously, it got into it, but uh, you know, uh, with uh, with the man trap. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was a pretty slow episode if you're asking if, if you're asking me mm-hmm. um, you know it, it felt really long um, you know uh, with just the the salt monster and then you know uh, just taking whatever form it wants right um, and I think I think it's interesting that they chose the man trap as the first one to air I know you can find interviews with the producers, Robert Justman, Herb Solo, who ran the sort of network side of the show, and Gene Roddenberry talking about the, the man trap being chosen by the network because it has these sort of like horror hooks. It feels like a story that could have been, you know, told on the Twilight Zone, which was like one of the biggest shows on TV at the time. So I think they found some common DNA in that story that they thought would be a good hook for audiences that were like coming from the Twilight Zone or uh, the Outer Limits, which was more of like a horror kind of show, I think was on right around the same time uh, and would stand out from something like Lost in Space, which Star Trek was very much trying to be the opposite of, which was also on at the same time, which is much sillier and tongue in cheek and sort of like a family drama where Star Trek tries to be more of a serious, self-serious, you know, science fiction uh, drama. Uh, and the Man Trap, I think, was... Um, it's sort of their their in their minds something that would set it apart but i do i agree with you completely i think uh that where no man has gone before is sort of action adventure hook and the way that it uh like i said puts kirk in a really dramatic situation with having to make him make really tough decisions about people he cares about tells you a lot more about the kind of guy he is and the kinds of decisions he's going to have to make in this show moving forward. So I, th- I think it works best as the pilot. And I also think it, when you look at the show in those early days, you, you have to kind of look at the, 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 there are three steps in sort of establishing the show. You, like you, like you talked about right at the beginning with cage being the initial first pilot that was sort of rejected for being uh, too cerebral, too, too serious, not fun enough where no man has gone before I feel like is a is a step toward getting the tone of what Star Trek ultimately became in the original series a little more set in stone a little more action adventure as opposed to like dark drama the cage is a really serious really creepy like brooding drama where this is much more you know fisticuffs kind of action story and then the Corbomite maneuver was the first episode that they shot if you look at production order that that they shot sort of post the pilot 
where and that that's the first episode in the production of the show that they had the sets looking the way that they would ultimately look they repainted them the color of the uniforms was corrected like they, i mean they, they established the new look of the show really and they had dr mccoy they had scotty in the engineering position they had sulu at the helm so that's the first episode where they sort of had all the pieces in place and the show had the traits that would become what the star trek the original series was so if, if you watch the episodes in sort of that order, although that's not the order they were aired in, and that's not the order that most people find the show now because of how Netflix packages it and how the DVDs and Blu-rays are packaged, uh, th that's where you can kind of see the growth of the production of the show and how the show was conceptualized and, and, and written in the early, early days. And they kind of find their footing with the kind of show this is going to become. Right, right. And uh, it's one of those things, okay, like uh, season one, uh, it de it definitely has uh, some of the most interesting episodes, mm -hmm. and I remember the uh, cover yeah. maneuver was uh, it was actually the second Star Trek episode that I watched after Space oh, wow. Seed. I I jumped I jumped around all over the place, and um, after the cover maneuver, I decided to just you know start from the beginning, and I I feel like. You know, I'm not saying that this would have been the case, but you know, with the man trap, okay, um, it was it was uh, like you were saying. It did have now. Now that you're saying it, it did sort of have that Twilight Zone mm -hmm. vibe to it. You know, uh, and I now that you said that, I can I can see that perfectly. And as with the cage, you know, um, I'm I'm glad that they uh, did Kirk instead of doing you yeah. know Pike. Um, you know, and I think they did it perfectly because now you had Captain Pike in Star Trek yep. Discovery, um, which absolutely blew it's me great. away. Yep. Uh, he was absolutely great. Um, you know, and he, you know, Captain Pike became uh, one of my, if not my favorite uh, captain. Cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's uh, it's one of those things. Um, but you know, like you were saying before. Um, you know, where No Man Has Gone Before does a really good job um, of capturing a lesson. Um, you know, and the, the, a lot of Star Trek episodes, you can see that they they uh, they teach a lot of sure. lessons in, uh, in in certain episodes, and that's what people really don't understand. Like whenever I'm whenever I'm talking to somebody, and I'm trying to get them into Star Trek, and I say, "Listen, if you're not going to go there for the action or adventure." At least let me give you a list of episodes that I, that I think uh, have some pretty deep meaning behind them, you know. And uh, where No Man Has Gone Before is one of those episodes because it shows that when somebody is given yep. power, they right. change. Okay. They, you know, uh, obviously uh, Gary Mitchell, when he, when, when they passed through that barrier... You know what I'm saying, and he came in direct contact with the energy. Um, it it changed him. He he gained you know abilities. He gained powers, and knowing that he can do all that stuff corrupted him and made him go mad. And then you also had that psychologist, the psychiatrist, yeah. or I, psychiatrist. For, I forget yeah. Elizabeth Banger, Psych psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she was also uh, affected as well. Um, but uh, she she wasn't affected for for as long as yeah. Gary was, uh, as you could see, because she uh, 
she she, uh, she resisted, resisted it. it. And I like that because uh, I think it, it takes something that could have been more simple. Like, it, I think it, it it would have been an easy trap to fall into to have, like you said, him hitting that energy and becoming all powerful. It, it just snapping him into being, quote unquote, like a, a bad guy, like a mustache twirling. Just it made him bad. And it's not that simple because she was exposed to the same thing. She reacted a little bit differently. She was able to resist it. And even when she was kind of overtaken by those skills and traits, she, she's not quite as she doesn't react to it the same way he does. So it's not like a uniform. Everybody's going to react the exact same way. It's not it's not a snap. You're right. going to become a bad person. It's just how how an individual might respond to having this immense amount of power and there's a danger there when you give to somebody too much power you know a good person can can be kind of corrupted by you know this this a degree of arrogance and a degree of uh you know overconfidence and it's certainly exaggerated and and, and grown out for drama at purposes with the episode he turns into a bad news yeah. a problem for kirk and the enterprise but uh, i think the commentary like you're saying the lesson the, the, the thing that it gets you talking about when you watch the episode is classic star trek it's the it's the thing star trek does best and it's what yeah. makes it different than a lot of other you know tv shows it gives you real meat on the bones to think about and talk about it's not just an action adventure exactly. show it's got something to get your brain working a little bit and that's and that's one of the reasons why i love star trek more than star wars okay not only is it more realistic, yeah. okay, um, it, it it actually takes place in the future. Okay, there's there's Earth, you know, Star Wars, there's no Earth. It's in a galaxy far, far away, but in Star Trek, it's like, this is Gene Roddenberry's version, like his thoughts and hopes yeah. for the future. You know, there's no poverty, there's no hunger, there's no, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing. There's, you know, everyone's united, everybody is... You know, they, uh, you know, for the most part, they're on the same, yeah. they're on the same level. Um, and that's really what he wanted. And uh, I feel like uh, uh, I, I've actually uh, talked with a couple of people about um, th where No Man Has Gone Before. And they, there's, a, there's a lot of theories out there that people are saying because uh, that she was a uh, psychiatrist that that's the reason why it didn't affect her the same the way it affected be, yeah. Mitchell. And I feel like that's that that's something that uh, you know uh, it makes sense. It, it makes perfect sense. And uh, you know, throughout these episodes, you know, no matter how, no matter what episode, people are gonna you know create their own theories about right. things. You know, um, and that's it, it's something that I love so dearly and people don't even realize that uh we may be even closer to that future than we than we yeah than we even think you know uh flip phones you know uh they were based off right. of the communicator you know and then you know whenever you go into walmart you have those right. sliding yeah. doors uh you know that was <laughs> star trek right. gave that yeah. idea out you know uh, you know and people don't realize how how much star trek influenced yeah. our culture you know and a lot of people don't even know that, you know, Star Trek had the first interracial kiss right, on national yeah. television, you know, and that's, that was an iconic moment, a huge Definitely. moment. And, and, uh, you know, a lot, there's a lot of people out there that are always saying, oh, Star Trek sucks, Star Trek sucks, you know, 
but it's like they don't even like. Well, I think that's the thing. I I think with Star Trek, because it's been around for so long and it's so big, there's so much of it. I think a lot of people who you might just in my life, people who I've known and you know talked to about these things, they it's it's a tough nut to crack. It's it's kind of overwhelming. It's huge. It's this big cultural thing that if you never got in the early like when you're growing up, it's 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 just a it, it feels like an insurmountable thing to get into, and. And I think you're right. I think there's a lot of noise out there about perceptions. Is it? Is it? Is it? Like when I was growing up, I think maybe a little less so for somebody your age. Um, it was you can see it back when I was growing up in the, the '90s when it was when it was on like the Next Generation Space Nine. It had this reputation for being super nerdy. It was like the nerdiest of nerdy shows. So there was a big population of people my age and older that just didn't want to be associated with it for fear of being like labeled a nerd or a geek. Uh, now that's a little cooler to be. I think that's a little more socially acceptable uh, for, for, for younger people. Right. So I don't think that's as big of an issue, but I think a big issue for it is that it's this, you know, people see it as this 50 year old show that's huge and there's so much of it and it's confusing and how do I get into it? And, um, and, and there's, there's a lot of perceptions out there about it and some people can get into it. Some people don't, um, and fortunately, there are folks like you who uh, something came along in life. And, and I think you've talked about your dad kind of introducing it to you. And I think that's a really common story for people that it's usually a parent or an older, like uh, somebody a little older, uh, sort of introducing it. And uh, if it's pitched to you the right way and you go into it with an open mind, there's a there's a reasonable chance that it'll click. Right, yeah, and one thing that I've noticed is that um, I you, you, like nobody realizes how big the Star Trek fandom actually is until you actually commit and get into it. You know what I'm saying? It is absolutely huge, and it's bigger than anything that I could have possibly imagined. I went into it thinking, oh, this is just going to be you know another thing that i that i like another thing that i do on the side but it ended up becoming my entire life not just because of the you know not just because of the you know the shows you know it was because when you go on social media i just you know i just got into the trek sure. twitterverse you know uh this past year you know what i'm saying before i was on facebook i was in this group called the unity station and uh, it was this entire fandom of Star Trek. People just posted anything. And uh, I was in it for so long that I actually was given my own chapter. And basically, that's where you can... It's through the group. And you have your own kind of group. And it's like almost like a ship. You know? it's It, it got really fun. Um, and I had a few people join uh, my chapter. And... Uh, and it was really fun for a while. And then it's just one of those things. Once I got onto Twitter and I found that Star Trek yeah. is humongous on Twitter, um, I kind of just dropped everything else. And that's the reason why I'm on Twitter so much is because of all the Trek positive things that I Absolutely. see on there. You know what I'm saying? And it's like Star Wars is one of those things. It's I'm not Star Wars is great. I love Star Wars. Okay. Um, uh, I, I still love it. Um, but, uh, I would, I would definitely still choose the Trek movies over Star Wars movies. But like I've said previously on Twitter, um, you put a Star Wars game in front of me and I'll choose that over a Star Trek. I game. think you're right about that. I saw you tweet um, that and I, I would agree. <laughs> but like, uh, you know, like a lot of people were saying, there there's are. a lot of good Star Trek games out there. 
Um, but uh, you know, they just don't yeah. really match. They haven't clicked the way that the Star Wars uh, games have. To Star, Star Wars games. in the video game world is kind of like this dominant yeah. force, and there is like this long history of really successful games, and there are some successes in the Star Trek video game history as well. But there are also a lot of misfires, and it's harder to find like a like a real. I, I'm not a huge. I haven't been a huge gamer in a long time, so like since I was really young. But I I, I, feel, I follow it enough to know that there are there are a lot of games that didn't uh land uh, as well as intended and um it's been hard to uh to, to for them to like find their footing in the video game landscape i guess right it's it's, it's like it's almost like with toys <laughs> you know when truck was first released okay and there was like like 10 different companies that you know this company was in charge of making Star Trek to- toys, and they were doing horrible at it, you know. And they kept doing horrible at it until they, uh, you know, until yeah. Playmates took over. But it's like, you know, uh, with just like the Star Trek toys, you know, they had to go through uh, many, many, many years of developing toys um, for it to be successful eventually. Um, I mean, and Star Trek's still one of those things. You, do, when, whenever like uh, a new movie comes out you know you'll have a small section of star trek toys but it's still one of those things like you know uh there's a section but when a star wars movie comes out there's an entire aisle there's an entire aisle you know and it's just because uh star trek toys uh there's a lot more uh collecting when it comes to star trek toys uh with star wars toys it's like most of the generation, most of the generation that grew up in the 2000s, um, yeah. they grew up on Star Wars, you know, um, and, the, and they're wanting the, the lightsabers, the blasters, you know, the helmets, whatever. Um, so uh, with video games, you know, st- I'm sure tr- Star Trek is going to go through many, many more trials and errors until they finally get it down right. But I have faith, you know. Yeah. Um, I think eventually uh, they'll 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 get it, but right now right. it's just not the time I that agree. they're going to get it. And so, what what are your thoughts on a uh, Star Trek? Online? I have, have a little bit. Star uh, Trek I'm not I'm not anywhere near an expert. I have friends who are much much deeper into the lore of it and know the story of it and are much deeper into the game. But I've played it a decent amount. And I enjoy it. I do have fun with it, and it's it's a it's a cool way to pass the time. And there are a lot of cool. Uh, things to explore in the game and I have these little windows of time where I get really hooked on it and I'll play it a lot um, but I I can't say that I've like dedicated a ton of time it's always like these little bursts like I'll have a week where I play it a lot and then I kind of get busy with other things and I stop for a while and then I'll eventually right. get back into it for a little bit um, but I, I would as we were talking about Star Trek video games I was thinking that I was thinking that that's probably the closest thing to a success because it's developed a, a decent little following in the Star Trek fan community like there is a population right. of people that are really into it and really follow it and are on top of it um, it hasn't permeated into the like it's not it's not World of Warcraft in the MMO world by any means with that kind of popularity and that level of you know widespread people playing it. Uh, I don't think, but it, it, it's put a little dent in into the into the Star Trek community for sure. Um, I just haven't gotten quite as into it. Right. See, I don't play uh, I don't play much video games, and when I do, it's uh, 
you know, I'll, I'll play some, you know, I'll play some Star Trek online, but it's one of those things where, um, with Star Trek online, the levels, you know, they can be extremely long. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of almost crazy. I really do love it though, obviously, cause no matter where you go, it's going to be free. Um, you know, you don't need to go in any sort of, you know, Steam or whatever. I guess that's what they use to get games these days. But, um, you know, uh, you could just download it straight on your computer and play it on there. And I know that I played on Xbox and it's 100% free. And you're right. It is it is big and it def- definitely has made a dent in the Trek gaming universe. But still, uh, it, it's been out for uh, quite a few years now and it's still not perfect. Uh, there's still there's still a lot of you know lagging it, you know there's some points where I still think mm-hmm. it's like almost in the beta version um, you know just because you're supposed to be able to access like the lower decks of your ship um, but uh, on the majority yeah, of the it ships definitely feels you like can it's a, do almost that. like a I don't call it like an underground kind of operation, but I feel like because it's free to play and it's been around for a while, like they they're certainly continuing to develop it and they they build new storylines into it and it continues to grow. But it, it's it's uh, it's it's just not as big as something like World of Warcraft. As I keep using that because I feels like the biggest of those kinds of games. Uh, it's uh, it's like I said, it feels right. like almost like a niche kind of a. A following that that really keeps it alive um it's enough to keep it going and it's it's certainly successful in it's in its little arena um and i have enjoyed it a lot in my time playing it uh, but you're right i mean it, it it feels a little small compared to some other competition out there in the the same lane of video gaming from what i know of video gaming. right and then you have you know you have the mobile games you know which I've I've put a little bit of time into. I know that I've put a lot of time into Star Trek Timelines, which is a mobile game, and I've I've probably put uh, I don't even want to say how much time I've put into that game. Um, but uh, it's one of those things where uh, I just never really yeah, got, got into it after I a certain amount of time. Of the, the and then you have I've always been curious about some of the timelines being the big one, but I haven't. Uh, had too much exposure to it. Right. And it's one of those things. I, I don't really like the mobile games. I'm going to be completely honest. Um, back in 2017, they released uh, uh, Starflight, Star Trek uh, Fleet Command. Um, and it's, it's not really my type of game. Um, it's, you know, there's people out there that absolutely love it. Okay, um, there's people out there that play it, you know, uh, every single day. But uh, as far as video games go, I've never been, you know, uh, when I was younger, obviously, I played a lot of video games and I just kind of grew out of it. You know, I still do, but uh, I don't play them as much. But when I do play them, I'm sure. playing, you know, Star Trek Online or, um, you know, stuff around those lines. And. Um, I, I, I haven't played much of the old games. Um, I have played uh, 25th anniversary. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and I really wish they would make like a remastered version almost. 
you know, it was it was absolutely really fun. Um, and uh, that's really the only old one that I've played. So, uh, you know, I don't really want to fully give my opinion on Star Trek games. Um, but from what I've played, uh, it sure. just does not compare yeah, to can, Star Wars games. Definitely see that that's, that's the truth. <laughs> I, like I said, I haven't, I, I'm not even incredibly up on like Star Wars games, but I know just from being aware of what goes on in that world that those games are huge. Battleground, isn't that what it's called? Bat- battle, battle field? Battlefront. Yeah, games like that battle are pretty, front. Battle pretty widely played and yeah. really successful. And I, I think it's clear that Track hasn't had a success quite that huge, uh, anywhere near that huge. Uh, sure. So, so I have a question for you. All right. Uh, what kind of a Star Trek game uh, would, uh, like, so uh, people on Twitter, when they were commenting on my post, I had so many different comments on my post because people had a lot of opinions. Um, but people were saying that Star Trek has not uh, really right. done good with games because it's not all about shooting people. Um, you know, but I was saying that in my personal opinion, I wouldn't mind kicking back for a few hours, you know, playing a Star Trek game that just involves, uh, think of like a, almost like a like a uh, Call of Duty almost. Um, but, you know, you're just... You're going at Klingons and, you know, trying to save the Federation, stuff like that. Not necessarily playing with other players, but like a story. Um, You know, you have a crew, um, you know, and one thing that, you know, Star Trek Online does is obviously you have your own character. You know, but one thing that I don't like about that is that it really takes away from the experience that your character doesn't talk. Um... You know, uh, usually when you have games like that, they they have custom voices um, that you can choose from. But uh, uh, Star Trek Online doesn't have that. Um, And that's one of those things, like, if they made a Star Trek game, I would really prefer if they did a storyline based upon one character. Like, if they made an entire Star Trek game um, based around the voyages of, uh, you know, Captain Kirk, you know, yeah, um, cool. I think I would be really interested in that. Um, you know, uh, just like in the 25th anniversary, um, you know, you, it, most of the time is, uh, sure. you know, it's it's about Captain Kirk's crew. But uh, I would love a, I would love a game like that, just uh, a little bit more adventure. You know, maybe explore the planets. You yeah. know, I just want a game where I can really get into it. You know what I'm saying, um, and and actually feel like I'm part. Yeah, no, of I, I think that's the that's game. a good call. I think uh, some sort of mix between some of the things that Star Trek Online offers and uh, some of the throwback elements that are really cool about 25th anniversary, and some of the more personal things that you're talking about. You know, getting getting a little bit more of an active role with you know dialogue scenes and uh, hearing your character you know be a part of it uh, would probably be the sort of secret sauce that might allow for a lot of people to get really excited about uh, a game in the Star Trek universe. It would be cool, I think, to have, because the, the there's such a wide spectrum of 
stuff people love in track. There's what now six, seven, eight shows ranging from the series, yeah, all the way through what's coming, Strange New Worlds, and all that stuff. Like seeing something that might be able to like, you know, put a footprint in various parts of the universe might be cool too. Like don't just lock it into this single timeline. Like give people an opportunity to play around in you know the Enterprise era, and then little bit with the the TOS movie era maybe and then some Deep Space Nine kinds of stuff I, I think giving people the opportunity to kind of bounce around the universe and take advantage of some of the the cool design elements of each kind of era and uh, the, the different the different ships and things like that would be cool I'm sure it's a tall ask that's a big there's such a, a wide spectrum of things to do because there's so much of it uh, but I think those are the kinds of things that would get people pretty pretty pumped And then, uh, yeah, like you were saying, Star Trek Online does a pretty yeah, good, uh, a pretty good job at that. Actually, when you, you know, when you first start off the game, it lets you choose. You Discovery. can choose, you know, the original series era, um, Discovery. Mm-hmm. You know, you can choose to be a Klingon, Romulan, yeah. you know, sure. or, or a part of just Starfleet. Um, you know, so th- there's a lot of different options. You know, different experiences. Um, but I really, really wish that there was an uh, like a next generation uh, era, or maybe even an Enterprise I era. Because I, like <laughs> I said cool before, Enterprise little, is my favorite show. Uh, piece of information about you. That's one of the things I, I like about talking to people who are f- fresh with it and kind of first getting into it. Because you're not you're not exposed to some of the baked in kinds of impressions that people have about these different shows there are a lot of enterprise fans out there but there are some people who weren't a huge fan of that show uh, when it first came out and yeah i mean i de- like i was I, I just started enterprise in like this past year i think i started enterprise a week before i made my very first podcast um and it's one of those things I heard all the controversy going around about it. I heard people saying Star Trek is the worst series ever, you know, um, but I was watching it and um, I, I don't know what it is about it, but I love it. And it, it's just it's I love the interaction between the characters. You know, there is no United Federation of Planets, you know. Uh, it's just Starfleet, and it's the first Warp 5-capable, uh, you know, uh, Starfleet vessel. Obviously, you have Vulcans, you know, that have created vessels that already go up to Warp 8, stuff like that. But it's a big deal, and it, it's really awesome because it's not an NCC right. Enterprise, it's an NX Enterprise, you know. So uh, obviously not as big of a crew, not as big of a ship, you know, uh, there's exactly, you know, and it's like, uh, they don't, they, they rarely use their transporter in the first season. Um, I think they probably used it twice in the, in the, in the first season. They don't really want to do it. It's always Uh, like, it's a big risk. Yeah. Right. And then you had that one episode where. Uh, you know, Hoshi, uh, she had the, yeah. <laughs> she was freaking going crazy because she went through a transporter, you know? Yeah. So they're kind of new, uh, to everything. Mm-hmm. And even, yeah, no, I, I, phasers, I love the prequel aspects you know? of Enterprise. I like the way that it sort of turns everything on its head and, and forces us to look at some of these things through fresh eyes 
you know, uh, some of those, especially in the timeline of like watching Star Trek as it was made, you know, going through Deep Space Nine and Voyager, you know, spending all those years watching these shows develop, that, that 24th century technology, you know, transporters, you know, shields and, you know, photon torpedoes, all these things you kind of took for granted because you were living in that universe for so long. Enterprise kind of forced us to go back to the basics, see like discover these things for the first time which means we have to rediscover right. them and it, it's 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 designed to really kind of jolt us back to the very very you know foundation of what star trek is and and i, I think it does a good job of that i think it, it had a tough job to do in that it had to take place a hundred years before kirk and the, the the enterprise and it had to be credible at that while also keeping in mind that they're trying to take place a hundred years before a show that was made in the 1960s and it's a product of its time so it has to walk that that tightrope between you know being a credible predecessor of the ncc 1701 uh but but also being 100 years ahead of us like we have to think it's cool and futuristic but it can't be too crazy because it has to take place before what we saw in the original series and i think given all of the the challenges associated with with that that battle, I think they did a really good job. And they also, I think, built some really successful characters. I love Paul. I love Trip. Uh, I, I love Phlox and Archer. Like that, I think that cast is really strong and they developed some really interesting relationships. And I think the way that that show makes uh, the, the sort of developing relationship between, say, Archer and Paul mirror the developing relationship between humanity and Vulcan and the way that that kind of charts our course toward the United Federation of Planets is really well done and sort of an underrated aspect of that show, seeing the growth and trust that those two characters develop over episodes and over seasons through, you know, really difficult circumstances in the third season uh, and taking their lumps. I think that's that's designed to make us think of Earth and Vulcan on a bigger scale and the way that they kind of come together and you see that happen over the course of the show and that is what allows something like the Federation to get birthed and it becomes what Star Trek all is all about from that point on that's what all these other shows are about it's all about different societies different cultures embracing difference and working together and, and not being you know button heads all the time about simple things and at the beginning of Enterprise yeah they're doing that but they grow out of it and they learn to embrace each other and work together and, and respect each other's way of thinking and way of solving problems. And I, th I think the way that even Tripp and Paul, you know, obviously that, that takes a much, I don't know how, how far into the show you are, so I don't want to say too much, but the way that that, that, that stuff develops is different than the Archer to Paul relationship, but both of those uh, dynamics, I think play into the bigger mission of enterprise as a whole and the way that it acts as a prequel for what comes later in chronological order. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's, it's really amazing. Um, there's a lot of... Oh my gosh. I remember watching this episode for the first time. Uh, it was called... Uh, I can't exactly remember the episode. But it was when the Enterprise basically comes in contact with the Borg. Regeneration. That was... Cool. Oh my gosh. It was probably my favorite episode. Just because, just because at the end, um, you know, when Phlox was infected, you know, um, 
obviously since he's denobulin it and if it affected him a little differently it didn't take hold of him as quickly um he was able to be cured before he was fully taken over but then he had that little message um you know uh because he was almost you know connected to the collective but um i really like how uh at the end they were they were basically saying we didn't stop them you know we just postponed their attack on earth for 200 years yeah and obviously they were referring to first contact you know um and that's absolutely crazy um just to think that we've already seen what happens you know and they're referring back to that and it's really it's really ironic also that you know throughout the entire show to paul's like it's impossible no human in vulcan can sure you know uh <laughs> be in a relationship yeah. and then and then here, here she is yeah. you know uh, <laughs> making that <laughs> yeah. seriously sure it all did. started with that vulcan neuro no, pressure I, I, I totally agree i think i think the way it, you know one of, and, the, one of uh, the obvious benefits of doing the whole prequel thing when especially you have so much history in front of you there's so many things that have happened from tos on onward in the chronology and the continuity of Star Trek by going back and doing the whole prequel thing. It gives you these temptations to play with laying breadcrumbs and tying up loose ends and making things make even a little bit more sense and, and be cute with the continuity and enterprise. I think uh, it doesn't do it too often to make the show just about that. I think that would probably, you know, become too much and i think that was probably the, the 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 temptation they had to resist was to not just do that every week but in episodes like regeneration and with some of the things they do with the vulcans i think they do a really good job of getting to do some of those things and do some cool things with those opportunities um but but also chart out its own little you know corner of the universe and doing enough of its own thing to be its own show and not just be the thing that tees up all these things that other shows get to pay off right and i mean like what you were saying um it's it's an amazing prequel um there's so many things that it tells you that you didn't previously know like for example um yeah. you know vulcans visited earth yeah. way back yeah. in like the the, the 1900s yep. you know no and nobody knew you know and then um you know obviously T'Pol had an ancestor, um, you know, that was on Earth. And then she, um, <laughs> she's the one that, you know, she went to the ship, you know, got Velcro. Yeah. And she kind of changed that thing in history. Right. And it's it's so crazy because Absolutely. it's not anything that you would expect. You know? And it's, a, it's, it's such an amazing, uh, it's such an amazing series, giving you a perspective Absolutely. on things I, that I, I you didn't totally previously know. Love to hear that. Um, and one of the things I, I'm, I'm enjoying about this conversation because I've, I've followed you and I've heard a lot of your episodes, and I, I've, I've heard you and seen you tweet about Star Trek. And one of the things I've always been curious to ask you, as somebody who's kind of new to the fandom and discovering some of these things for the first time in recent years, uh, you mentioned regeneration as a favorite from Enterprise. Like what? What are some of your favorite episodes across all of it? Like when you think about episodes that you've really loved over all the shows that you've seen so far, like what are the first things that just pop into your mind? Okay, so 
Um, let's see. Man. So, I... Okay. So, in season, I think it was five of the next generation. Okay. Um, uh, it's really... Uh, it's really difficult because there's a, there's a lot of different... You know, the, so uh, the next oh, yeah, generation, classic. okay, I believe it was in season five, the inner light. Uh, I, f I loved that episode. It was really heartbreaking. I actually, it actually made me a little sad um, because, you know, you, they, they encounter this, this alien ship, you know, it, you know, puts Picard into like a coma, you know, uh, almost. And then Picard's trapped inside this world. He thinks that he's been taken from the Enterprise, you know, and he's put on this world, you know, uh, you know. And in reality, Picard's only out for twenty minutes, but he lived yeah, like full life. Yeah. I think it was like fifty, fifty or eighty had something kids, years. Had grandkids had a wife. He lived a full <laughs> life. Yeah, seriously, his wife died, you know, and it's 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 one of those things. Uh, and towards the end, uh, you know, when you find out, like, yeah. uh, oh, they just took him so that he could teach, you know, he could just teach the this these aliens about, uh, you know, kind of what it What's is. What's the to way be, to keep that alien society uh, that he lives with, you know, a human? I guess alive. it's the, the, this planet. One of the things happening in that episode when he's living yeah. on that planet through the life of this memory that he's kind of embodying is this planet's dying. It's 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 warming to the point where it's it's burning up, and that becomes a critical thing. Like these people knew that they were. That they were done, like that, that that their son was baking this planet alive, and they, they wiped them out. And this is this is this species's way to tell the cosmos, whoever comes across it, that these people lived, and that this is a society that was flourishing and was a full, you know, civilization that, unfortunately, you know, you know, died. <laughs> it, 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 it ran its course, uh, and this 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 probe is out there to. You know, find somebody to right. view these memories to keep the the people, uh, you know, alive in somebody's head, uh, and and I think it's especially poignant and, and sad because you know, by season five and spending all this time with Captain Picard, you know that one of the choices he's made is to not have a family. Like his his life is his career, and there are a lot of people out there in in, in real life and in today's world that unfortunately for for their own choices or just from life circumstances don't don't have a family, don't have a wife and kids. And and this episode puts somebody like that, Picard in this case, in a position where they have to realize what they don't have. And then some of the things that they've sacrificed uh, in, in order to live the life that they're living. And it, you know, episodes in the past, their scenes with Picard and Wesley Crusher in a shuttle, for example, talking about you would have been a good father and why didn't you ever have a family? And he talks about Starfleet you know, forcing him to kind of sacrifice things. And this episode puts him into a position to not just think about those things, but to live the things that he knows that he didn't, you know, choose to have, uh, which is unique. I mean, it's, it'd be one thing for a, you know, a character who 
who does have a wife and does have kids at home to, to get zapped like that and to have to live that life. But it's a whole different thing for somebody like Picard who doesn't have those things in his, in his own life to have to not only go through it, but to have it taken away from you and to realize that right. you know, after living that whole life and waking up 20 minutes later that none of it was real. And now you know for real like what you don't have, all the things that you never will actually have in real life. Um, so it, it, it's not just right. a, a really well-written story and a, and a well, you know, a well-pitched science fiction concept it's it's capitalizing on the things we know about our character at the start at the heart of the show and the sacrifices he's made and the the the, the things that kind of haunt him uh and, and takes advantage of those things picard's been through so much and you can actually uh, like towards the end of the episode you can see he actually uh he was forced into yeah. this position of being a, a husband and a father and a grandparent like you were saying something that he that he planned on never doing he was forced into this position you know and uh, after yeah. a while he just he gave in and he actually started loving you know he started loving his wife his daughter you know he started playing the flute he learned how to play the flute you know and it's it's so beautiful and it's such a, it's 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 probably, if not my favorite Next Generation sure. episode, no, um, just because it hits really deep, um, you know, and uh, it's one of those episodes that I could just watch over and over again because it's like, you know, uh, you know, Picard is accepting of his son that wants to, you know, uh, quit school to pursue his music and then his daughter's into science, you know, it's, it's, it's really amazing. And, uh, you know, then it's talking about this, you know, new probe that they're going to launch. And it turns out the new probe that they're going to launch. One that basically puts Picard into this world. Um, and it, it, it's really amazing. Yeah. Another one of my yeah, favorite absolutely. episodes. It's a two-parter. It's called Time's Arrow. Obviously, you know that one, right? And uh, it, it's really yeah. amazing. You know, it, uh, Data obviously dies in Nemesis. Um, and uh, I think at the end of Nemesis, um, uh, I think we see Data's head floating in space it, or whatever. It's easy right? to kind of imagine it. That's I'm sure. not a hungry. Because, uh -huh. I, because uh -huh. I, I could have sworn, I, I'm going to be completely honest, I only saw Nemesis twice. <laughs> uh, uh -huh. I, never, uh, I never really watched it again after that. I, 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 I watched a Nemesis one time when I first got into it, and then I watched Nemesis again right before I started Picard. Um, so, um, but Time's Arrow, it was uh, it was one of those things where uh, you know Mark Twain is in it. You know, sure. it's it's really funny. Um, at some certain points, the you right. know the entire crew is going crazy because you know they know for sure Data's Data's gonna die. You know. Um, but uh, it's it's really interesting because uh, the data that we know sure. his head does eventually get you know blown off, and uh, then they use the the old data's head to uh, you know kind of bring data back. So it's like it's almost like you know uh, data is part you know twenty fourth yeah. century and sure. part you know. Uh, 20th, 19th century, or whatever. 
you know. And it's, uh, you know, Time's Arrow is definitely one of those episodes. Uh, season 5, really? Star Trek, Star Trek The Next Generation. Definitely, definitely my favorite. Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Season 5, Star Trek The Next Generation is definitely my favorite Next Generation um, season. So cool. Uh, just that's like another, season that, three of the original the series is my heard, favorite. I hear you. Uh, is that is, I, I love that because that's not that's not a common thing to hear. But I think it's awesome coming from somebody who has experienced Star Trek the way that you have. I think you come at it from a unique perspective. You have not spent twenty years hearing people talk about season three is the weakest season, and it's kind of the, the, the redheaded stepchild. And you, you've you've got your reasons for loving it. I think that's awesome because I like season three too. It's not my favorite. But I think there's a lot of value there, and I think uh, I think it's it just goes to show that these these things are all subjective, and everybody has their own experience with you know Star Trek and anything that they love. And uh, I, I love hearing the perspective of somebody who has a unique perspective uh, and, and is not a product of years and years and years of fandom and and uh, having years of shared experiences that have kind of i don't want to say conditioned us to think a certain way but i think there are a lot of preconceived notions that are commonly heard and listening to you and talking to you is really refreshing because you don't speak about it in that way and it's it's just great to to hear that fresh perspective right for sure and like you were saying I definitely do have a unique perspective. I seem to like everything that most people don't. (laughs) Because Wesley Crusher is actually one of my favorite characters. Um, Just because, in a sense, in a way I can kind of... uh, It kind of feels... Sure. You know, kind of reminds him... uh, Kind of reminds me of myself, almost. Um, not because I'm super wicked smart, um, just because, um, you know, all, all he wants to do is, you know, fit in. He's trying to, yeah. uh, pursue something, um, that he's really passionate about, you know? And obviously you can see he was obviously, uh, Delta Flyers, you know, uh, in that episode when, uh, I think it was was oh, it Adam? It, it's, uh, I think his name was Adam. The first duty. Uh, um, the kid that died. I can't, I can't remember, remember his character's name. name, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, they, they, they do that that yeah. risky you know test pilot maneuver that one of their one of their buddies gets killed and they have to cover it up. And... The, yeah. Yeah, and then Wesley comes out at the end. You know, uh, it, it shows that he has a really good sense of character. You know, the team leader is you know trying to lie um, to cover up what they did because yeah. he knows that it will result in uh, you know being expelled. Um, but to, at the end, we obviously, uh, yeah. you know, Cadet Locarno, he obviously took the blame. Um, for everything and he was the only one that got expelled when in all reality the rest of the uh the team should have been expelled as well and you know you could see that wesley really really felt uh guilty about that and uh you know star trek is great because a lot of the characters you know they really express how humanity really works like take captain archer for example um one of the reasons why i love him so much is because uh he shows what it's like to be human um 
you know, he's he's just starting, you know, we're just starting to get into, you know, people aren't as uh, diligent and as, uh, you know, efficient and courageous as, let's say, Kirk or Picard, you know, because they're just starting to get into this. Um, you can really see the character development between everything and, you know, Archer, you know, Archer's really great at that. Um, you know, like Archer was saying, you know, sometimes we'll fall, yeah, you, yeah, know, I hear you. Uh, you know, stuff that I can't remember the yeah. quote exactly, but along those lines, you know, um, we'll stumble, stuff like that. It's, it, 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 he really, uh, he really shows what it's like to be human. And Wesley, uh, Wesley does that a little bit uh, to himself. You know, his father died, you know, uh, he, he's on the enterprise, you know, Picard doesn't like kids. And then, you know, uh, it's, 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 it's really great. Um, and the next generation, it's 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 really amazing, and there's a lot of really great episodes. Um, I, so I, this the one Royale episode in particular, um, Casino Royale. Okay, that's a that's a tough one for me. I, yeah, I think. Um, uh, so what did you think about that episode? It's never been a huge favorite of mine, um, but it's 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 a it's a unique animal because they're they're living this hellishly terrible pulp novel and some of the qualities about it that make it not my favorite are kind of intentional like the characters are supposed to be uh living this really really unpleasant existence with really roughly written characters and uh it's it's there are things about it that are i don't want to say they're intentionally bad but they're intentionally uncomfortable and it's it's successful in that regard i think there's some humor in it that works for sure and it's it's uh it's kind of creepy um not not a, not a huge favorite of mine but i've grown to respect it the older i've gotten and the more times i've seen it right so one thing that i love about uh that specific episode is like you were saying, it did kind of give off a creepyish vibe. Um, you know, an old astronaut from NASA, you know, before Starfleet, you know, uh, was he, he came out all the way out um, to this planet that is based yep. off of a book called It Was the Royale, you know. And he was living this life until he died, you know. And, you know, obviously they found a piece of old, uh, like, uh, they found NASA. They found debris of, like, a NASA ship um, out in space, which led them to this planet. And it was one of those things. It was like, I know if I was personally in that situation where I walked into a building, sure. the door sealed off behind me, and I lost communications with my ship, I would be pretty afraid. Uh, you know, and uh, obviously it did have some sad aspects to it as well. Yeah, where you know great. he's letting he's sitting there, yeah. laying in the bed, and it's just this, this skeleton. You know, it's mm -hmm. creepy, um, and it's it's like a it's not one of my fa it's not my favorite episode, but it's uh, it's it's one of those episodes where it's like it really does get your attention. Um, one of one of the weirdest episodes for me 
um, and this is just one of my personal opinion opinions is uh, yeah. uh, the episode with lol yep where data, the offspring um, where data basically creates a child you know I found I found it very unsettling I just the, lol was unsettling it was unsettling um, you know and that's really all I have to say about that episode but there's a lot of really good next generation episodes out there um, and next generation right off the bat okay if you watched the original series right off of the bat the next generation captivates you you have Admiral McCoy sure. you know talking to data you know comparing data to Spock even though it doesn't refer like directly you know uh, compare the two but uh, you know just seeing uh, yeah, DeForest yeah, Kelly sense. back in the role um, and you know seeing that oh he's so old um, yeah you know um, it's just like dang people really live that long in the future you know um, and it's just like it's really amazing and then you obviously have um, you know uh, Captain Kirk meets uh, you know Picard in generations um and uh it's it's really amazing yeah. um because uh you know relics in a uh, season six episode four where scotty comes back you know that was probably one of my favorite uh episodes ever you know uh you know scotty is in the future he's on this enterprise you know, uh, yeah. you know, they, they use synthesizers now for their alcohol. You know, they, he's like, this isn't scotch. I know real scotch when I taste it. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things, and it really hit hard when uh, you know Scotty goes into the holodeck and he runs a program of the, the enterprise that he's that he's used to. You know, and he's looking around, and everybody's everybody that he knew on that ship is dead. You know. Um, or just really old. Um, uh, yeah. It's and and he's still he's got, looking the him. same exact age that he did, you know. Um, it's definitely, yeah. It's 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 really sad. Um, sure. Just because it it's almost like he's alone, you know. It's like it's like I'm one of the last people on this enterprise, you know. Uh, Kirk is is caught in uh, you know what was it called the Nexus, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, you know everybody thinks that Kirk is dead, you know, um, really he's just trapped in here for eighty years, and then Scotty was trapped in like a transporter sequence for for sure, you know, seventy years. It's 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 just it's really a touching episode. Um, and I remember uh, when I when I was watching it for the first time, and I was going through um, to see, you know, what episodes I got to look forward to. You know, not watching it, just sort of reading yeah. the description. Um, and I saw Scotty on there, and I was like, man, I really wish that I did not see that, because yeah. just to see him come see back yeah. and not know anything would have just been so shocking. Well, you know. And I really hate when things like that happen because it's like, I want to be surprised. And that's exactly how I was with the Borg, yeah. though. You know, in Enterprise, 
I had no I, I had no idea whatsoever. You know, I thought I thought Starfleet didn't encounter the Borg until Next Generation era, but to find out that, you know, uh, you know, the Enterprise crew um, of the uh, you know the twenty second century uh, uh, encountered it. And I knew immediately oh, no. when they were frozen in the snow and they brush off yeah. the top and you see one of the like one of those eyepieces, I was like, No. Yeah. Can't be. It's the Borg. You know, obviously they don't they don't directly refer to them as the Borg. But you know, you obviously know it's the Borg. You know. And it's it's just it's it's so amazing. Um now, the most uh you know, if we're, if, I'll, I'll, I'll say one more episode, you know, two-parter that really hit home. Of course, uh, yeah. Well, not home, you know, really hit hard was uh, Best yeah. of Both Worlds. Um, that was really sad. Um, I remember I tried to do as little research as possible yeah. just so it's almost like I was a kid when it first came out because obviously when it aired on television there was no thing to update you oh this is what this episode's going to be about it was like you just had to see what happened and i really want that same feeling so i try to do as minimal research as possible um and that's one of the things that i really regret watching the next generation movies before i watched the next generation because it referred to back when the card was assimilated and um and I know that if I would have just watched that episode, not knowing what the heck was going on, uh, I definitely yeah. would have hit a billion times harder. But since I was expecting it, I kind of missed that experience. Um, and it really, it was really, it's one of those things. Um, but Locutus was, uh, <laughs> it was scary. Um, you know, uh, it was, it was really yeah. sad. You know, when they were in the process of assimilating of Picard, you could see one yeah. final tear. Yeah, sure. It uh, um, makes big impact, I think, that, that that there's an emotional component yeah. to the best of both worlds that I think people who have you know, seen it many, many times and have this preconceived notion of uh, years and years and years of saying, oh, it's the great two-parter with the Borg and the Wolf 359 and all this great stuff, this big stuff that happens in it. But, you know, watching, watching what happens to Picard's rough and watching what Picard unwittingly does to uh, humanity and these different, all these ships and all these Starfleet officers is, is, is tough too. And getting to see the next episode family where he's kind of processing it and struggling to overcome, you know, his own feelings about it. Uh, there, there is an emotional punch that I think kind of gets overlooked at times. Right. Yeah, and you could see throughout the rest of the show, you know, throughout the movies, even in Picard, um, a little bit, you know, first contact, you know, you could see how it still affects him. And in Picard, you know, and uh, yeah. you, you know, you could see uh, in a, you know, when Hugh showed up, you know, when he was first introduced into the show, you know, he was like, "There's no way." that this yeah. this borg you know is right. referring to himself as hugh you know he 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 couldn't accept it because of how traumatized he was you know, he was like no 
you are, you know, you are Borg, you know, um, and it's like resistance is not futile. And it really, it really hit in the heart. You know, there's a lot of emotional Trek episodes out there. And that's what I love about it. You know, Trek is, Trek is funny. There's action, there's humor, there is, there's adventure, you know, but most importantly, no, you know, there's true. sadness in and the middle too. You know, you, Star Trek is not, yeah, you know, necessarily a safe wanted haven. Wanted me to boil down like what, what keeps me coming back to it? Why do I love it so much? I think, I think maybe the core reason, I mean, the obvious answer and the safe answer is always that what we kind of let off with talking about Renee Manuscan before that there's always a lesson there. There are important things that you can carry with you into your own life, and it becomes a philosophy the way you handle problems and other people like there's all that stuff but beyond that from the basic like why is it a cool tv show for me is that week to week episode to episode you never know what you're going to get when you sit in front of a show like csi or even game of thrones you, you know exactly what tone you're going to get you know exactly what genre you're going to get you basically know the package with star trek you could get a romantic comedy this week and then a weird off the wall crazy science fiction concept the next and then an action adventure story and then a sad character drama and then a western like it 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 can be all of those things and it does all of them kind of uniquely well um it, it doesn't have to be a a set single package it doesn't do it, it's not just one thing it can do it all within the overall umbrella of the science fiction tv show that obviously star trek is but I, I always, I think one of the things that drew me to it growing up was that I never knew what to expect week to week from a, from a tone standpoint, from a genre standpoint. Um, and I think it taught me, I'm a, I'm a big movie person too. And I think one of the reasons I'm a movie person and that I can watch movies of all kinds from around the world, different genres. Like if somebody says, what kind of movies do you like? I say all kinds of movies. And I think part of that is because I grew up watching Star Trek where all the episodes were all different. You know, it wasn't just a murder mystery every week or just a war story every week. It was those things. You got those things, but you got everything else too. Right, right. You know, and it, uh, like you were saying, you hit yeah. the nail right on the head with that. It could be, you know, something super, you know, funny one week. And then the next week, you know, for instance, let's take, you know, Tasha Yar, for example, you know, um, you know, mm -hmm. the, you know, the previous episode was, you know, uh, I think it was called symbiosis, symbiosis, um, you know, and then you had skin of evil, um, you know, uh, they have a, you know, in symbiosis, they have, you know, they rescue four people off this freighter and, you know, they have, you know, uh, they're from two different planets, you know, they have a, you know, a, a complicated trading relationship, you know, uh, and then. And then in the next episode, there's this huge, you know, uh, you know, tar monster. You know, Ar and Armis was, uh, you know, if you see in Star Trek Discovery, I feel like, um, yeah, you know, they kind of brought the, back. The uh, I feel like they were kind of hinting yeah, at, you know, him, you know. Uh, Yeah, I, I feel like I, I was watching it. And I was like, wait a second. That kind of looks, kind of looks like Armus. So, so you know, it's one of those things like yeah. in Discovery, they referred to the yeah, board. Yeah, there's definitely some 
a yeah, little bit. Not not the Borg, the but kind of something like it. Yeah. You know, the nanites going in. Right. And um, you know, and it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things, you know. And then in the skin of evil, you know, you have Tasha Yar, you yeah. know, dying. You know, and it was so sad because now that was one of those things where I didn't do any research. I didn't look ahead, you know, and I was watching it and, uh, you know, they're trying to stabilize her at the end and then they lose her. And then it's just like, she's gone. I mean, they have this humongous ceremony for her in the holodeck and it's just so touching and so heartbreaking. And like you were saying, it just keeps you going back for more because you never know what to expect. Right. And that's why I, that's why I can get Definitely into it so much because it's, it's makes not it unique, always the yeah, same. You know, just thinking about some of the episodes you talked about tonight, you talked about uh, you know regeneration in the Borg episode from Enterprise, which is like this horror thriller for a big chunk of it. Um, these guys in the in the Arctic uncovering the Borg and slowly them waking up and they get assimilated and it turns into this big action story. And then you know just a, a few minutes later, we're talking about the Inner Light, which is this deep, deep, deep character drama that doesn't have any action in it. It's not interested in thrilling you in the same way, but it, it's it's just as good. It's just a different kind of story. And they, they both feel perfectly at home in, in the Star Trek universe. And I think that's a unique thing that a lot of a lot of really good TV just can't do because it's not in its DNA. It, 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 can't, it can't stretch in the same way. And it can't give you the, the spectrum of, of feels the way Star Trek can. Right. Right, and uh, man, like there's just there's so many different types of uh, you know series out there. All the series, you know, they're different, different characters. Okay, um, but uh, you know, the different characters is what makes it amazing. Um, and I, the inner light is always going to be one of those things. You know, every single time I watch it, it's going to be like this guy just lived an entire life. Yeah. Than realizing that it was not real, you know, but it was real to him, for sure, you know. And it was just, it's it, it's it's one of those things that really can put you in your feelings. Um, but but yeah, I, I, you know, just a little bit more uh, to uh, add on here. I'm, I'm interested in uh, what some of your I, I, uh, favorite episodes I or series are. With it, and the way that I have such fond memories of all of them, I kind of view it almost as one show. Like, it's like different chapters of the same story. Uh, and because of that, I have a really hard time picking a favorite um, of the of the series. Uh, I love them all for their own reasons. Like you said, they all have different traits. They all have different strengths, I think. Uh, they all offer something a little different. Um, but I, I, I really uh, have genuine love for all of them in their own way. Uh, favorite episodes, some of the ones you mentioned. Uh, Best of Both Worlds is way up there for me. I love uh, the inner light. Um, I love yesterday's enterprise from TNG. Uh, I think the way that that capitalizes on Tasha's death and 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 the continuity of Star Trek with the Enterprise C and what could happen, uh, you know, how how like the butterfly effect sort of 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 you know one encounter in in Romulan space can sort of shift history completely in another direction. Um, uh, I, I love that. Uh, from from the original series, my favorite episode in all of Star Trek is the City on the Edge of Forever, which is a pretty common, I think, 
widely cited, like all time great. Uh, you know, I love uh, just the the cosmic love story. Uh, you know, the way that only Star Trek can do it. The, the episode starts on the bridge of the Enterprise, and 15 minutes later, you're in the streets of 1930s New York and watching Captain Kirk fall in love with a woman who's out of time completely. Like the way she talks, she's talking about the Star Trek universe. You know, her, her aspirations are exactly what Star Trek is. And that's why Kirk falls in love with her and has to make this kind of tragic choice to let her die. So the history can play out the way it needs to. So that Star Trek can come down the road. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that's sort of my sort of like ultimate Star Trek episode. Um, but there are so many, I mean, from, uh, deep space nine, um, you know, duet is a great one from the first season. Uh, Voyager, I think Scorpion uh, is as good as it gets. The, the Borg, um, Enterprise, Similitude from the third season, uh, with Trip being cloned. I think that has some really uh, heavy drama. Um, it really puts the characters in tough spots and tests Archer and. Uh, in ways that are unique to that episode and really strong. Um, th th there's so many. Uh, it it's hard. Uh, th there's there's a, a, a big handful from each show that I can really point to and say, man, that's great. That's classic Star Trek. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I can't believe I forgot to mention the city on the edge of forever because that, um, in the original series, is one of the, one of the episodes that I can just watch over and over again in the original series. I, I believe it was at like a, yeah. I think it was a Comic Con. I can't remember specifically, but in 2016, it was actually uh, rated uh, the best uh, yeah, original series episode, um, and one of my favorites is a piece of the action. Um, yeah, yeah. A piece of the action is so fun. A gangster, gangster Spock, man. I can't get over it. Um, you know, it's just, it's awesome. You know, uh, the original series. Uh, it's it's amazing. I'm gonna be. I, I think the only. Uh, I've watched at least a little bit of every Star Trek series, except uh, for obviously I haven't watched Lower Decks, and. Uh, I haven't watched the animated yeah. series. Lower Decks is great. I highly um, recommend that. I'd say you know, so I think the, the only ones that I haven't past. watched like, yet are uh, the cartoons. All, you're kind of bored and you need um, something new. Save that for kind of covering your last base. It's it's got some value to it. It's yeah, it's fun in its own way. But keep your expectations, Jack. <laughs> right. You know yeah. and. The only reason, the only reason why I haven't watched the Lower Decks is just I, I don't have CBS All Access right now. I'm hoping to get that back soon, but um, you know, uh, it's one of those things. Uh, I love it, um, and people describe me as someone. Oh, I could see anything Star Trek, and I love it. And I'm not going to deny that fact, um, just because it's so fun. Um, I'm not saying that I hated. Uh, you know, uh, nemesis. I'm not saying, you know, anything. 
Um, I think uncommon. if there's one Star Trek movie it's, that I just cannot own, sit through for a pace. second time is it's, it's, uh, the motion picture. I, I, I grew up liking it, and I'm I'm, I'm a um, fan of it. But you are not alone. There are a lot of people out there who really have a hard time with that um, because of its pacing, and it's, its like its style. Uh, it's 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 definitely um, in a league of its own in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like it was definitely fun. Don't get me wrong, but just the pace of it, you know, extremely, extremely slow. Um, you know, uh, you know, in the uniforms. Uh, man, I think I think I read somewhere where it was like it took them like, like almost an hour to get into the uniforms, and then. And like, then they yeah, were like, tough. okay, uh, welcome back for a second movie, but only one, one if we get into the also catches people's eye with Star Trek and maybe cooks people, you know? especially young people, um, young kids. This is the color of it. Like physical, you know, colorful palette, uh, the different colored uniforms, the, the bright. You, you just get colors in it that you don't typically get pinks and yellows and golds and, and bright greens, like just in the in, in what they what they do and kind of across all the shows. It, it's an old color palette. And uh, the motion picture, I think they kind of oddly uh, went the other way, uh, especially the original series, most of all, it right. has that bright, bright, bright color palette, uh, like fuchsia wall lighting and stuff that really pops on color TV um, like it was intended to. It, it, they had a strong desire in the late 1960s to uh, push that color TV, and they, they, they you know, imbued a lot of the shows in that time to, to, to make people want that. Um, because they were just kind of coming out and becoming more common. And Star Trek is, you know, as good an example as any of trying to take advantage of that color. Uh, so from TOS being so colorful and using that full spectrum of the color palette, uh, the, original, the, the motion picture definitely kind of goes more to that beige, gray, um, you know, single tone uh, palette that isn't, isn't quite as dynamic. Right. And, uh, you know, I, one, one final thing. All right. Um, so uh, I really, really liked uh, what they did with the rest of the motion picture, you know, movies, um, you know, the original motion picture movies, um, you know, where it was just all red, you know, obviously, you know, you had the different color, like collar colors, you know, obviously, you know, Kirk, Spock, they wore the white ones and, you know, Bones wore like, you can, you know, just greenish, you know, I can never tell what those is, you know, people draw it as like gray, green, purple, you know, you can never really tell, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's really interesting, you know, obviously, you know, Savick, you know, red, you know, the lieutenant's red, you know, it was, it was really interesting. I really liked what they did with that. It was simple. Um, and to me, in my opinion, a lot more stylish. Um, you know, I really liked that, sure. you know, yeah, uh, and, you know, not as simple as the original series, but you know, it's, it still looked cool. I, re I really did like that. But, um, man, I, well, I really want to thank you for your time today. Uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been a wonderful talk. I'm I'm super super stoked, uh, you know, uh, to have you here with me. But uh, it, it looks like uh, we're gonna we're gonna call it a night here uh, for this episode. You know, I hope that you had a good time. Um,
I'd absolutely i, I really appreciate you for dropping on dropping on on giving me your time um and uh may I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of Star Trek Exercise. It was an honor to have Bill here today. If you have not followed him yet, go ahead and go on Twitter at TrekFan4387. Uh, he's an awesome guy. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I do apologize for the muffle. It's, it's, I realized that I was really muffled in this one. Um, I was just listening back. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, look forward to, you know, having Bill back on this, uh, on this show, um, I know I'm looking forward to it, um, but anyway, yes, without further ado, hope you guys had a wonderful time, and until next time, live long and prosper.